Accent of Woman acknowledges this program is produced and presented on the sovereign lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge elders past and present and becoming, as well as the owners of the land you're hearing us from. Welcome to Accent of Woman, a show by and about women from culturally and linguistically diverse communities. I'm your host, Ayan Shirwa. This week, we speak to writer and cultural producer Alia Gebrez about her gorgeous children's book, Haboba's House. Haboba's House tells the story of Iman, a young Eritrean girl staying at her Haboba's house during the school holidays. It is the first book in Iman's really, really big world series. In this interview, Alia discusses the inspiration for Haboba's house and explains why children of colour deserve to see themselves represented in books. To learn more about this exciting series, go to imansworld.com. Hi, my name is Alia Gabres. I'm a storyteller and creative producer. Yeah, and Alia, you and I have known each other for a while. So when I heard that you were dropping this book, sis, I was so excited. Not just for you, because you and I have talked about you um, putting stuff out there, whether it's like, as you mentioned off air, whether it's like a CD, like a poetry, like a spoken word album. But you've decided to do a children's book, right? Yes. Let's start from there. Why a children's book, Alia? Yeah. Um, so yeah, like you said, we've, we've been knowing each other for a very, very long time. Um, and I remember having these conversations with you early on, uh, a few years ago talking about, you know, I've been in the arts. Um, I have been an independent artist for a number of years, transitioned on to work in the arts industry, um, and have have seen both the front end and the back back end of of the community arts industry. And I think for me, working with so many artists, I'm constantly staying in a place of like inspiration and I'm in love with with what people can produce and, Mm. and have always seen my role as the facilitator of the work and a supporter of the community. And so in the back of my mind, though, I could never really switch off like my my own independent artist kind of like little tick, but just couldn't figure out what the right project was. And, you know, had a lot of people, um, you know, pushing me and really trying to support me and trying to put out a a poetry album, spoken word album, uh, a book, um, many, many uh, times where I've been in the studio working on, on content. And it just for me, I think, was... It didn't feel like the right fit, and it took me a few years to really, I get, I think, get clarity around what, what, where my voice would be most impactful, mm. um, and what felt like the most organic thing for me to do, and that's where the the book came from. And um, I think before the book, it was a character in my mind. Okay, I'm going to start sounding a, yes. a little bit loopy here, but just go with me. Um, so the main character in the series is called Iman. And when I tell you I would be driving around and I could see her, like I could see the image of her in my mind, and this is maybe like four years ago, um, to the point where, and I'm not a sketcher, I'm a writer, I would sketch her and her family. Um, and I just, 
you know, this this first story in the series was one that I've been thinking about for a few years. And so one day <laughs> I sat myself down and I happened to be um, reading a book on minimalism at the time. Yeah, very random, a book on minimalism. And the the author was talking about the the path that has the least resistance, mm. um, thinking about impact and thinking about, um, I guess, passion in life. And I thought to myself, what is my path? What, what is my path that has the least resistance, where I could see the most clarity? Mm. And for me, it was this book. It was this series. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And as you were talking, in the beginning when you were talking about how you could sort of, um, you had a sketch of the person that you wanted to um, write about, right? But you and I were discussing earlier how when people have seen this book, young girls have said, look, it's about me, isn't it, right? Yeah, so I was... I was saying to you that um, the really, I think the thing that I'm I'm waiting for the shoe to drop and the the moment where I'm going to probably have the everybody keeps asking me, aren't you excited? Why aren't you more excited? I am excited, but I think my my moment that I'm really really waiting for is to see the book in little girls' hands, right? And the ones that have seen just a promotional material like the flyer and, and things like that. Um, their first reaction has been, oh, wow, thank you for, for writing a book about me. <laughs> you shouldn't have. You really shouldn't That's have. That's so kind of you. Yeah. Which, and, you know, we're talking about um, little girls of colour, little African girls who never really get an opportunity like that to see themselves represented in, a, um, in, in creative content, let alone in book format, right? And for me, every time I'm like, yes. It's about you, you know. Mm. Oh yes, this is this is definitely you. This is you know, and of course, um, for me, it's the access points giving giving them, uh, an, uh, I guess, uh, entry into the narrative. I- I'm not going to tell a three year old. No, actually, this is something I was thinking about before you were born. <laughs> right. Of course not. But um, I love that. I love that so much. And we were talking about representation earlier, and I think a lot of times when um, you're a person of color. And um, you are um, part of a broader diasporic experience. You we're constantly in a space where we're talking about representation and the importance of representation. But sometimes the the language around that can get lost in the politics, mm. right? Um, and for me, this has been the most tangible like moment of seeing a, a, a child that would have been me um, that can say, "Oh, that's." Quite literally, that's me in the book. Right. Like you have turned me into a character, which I think is beautiful. And that's really the essence of what we're talking about when we're talking about representation. Yeah. And Haboba's House is the first book of the series. Why have you chosen this book as your coming out or an introduction to Iman's really, really, really big world? I love <laughs> saying that. Sorry. <laughs> you say it so well. Um it was really important for me to have book one in the series introduce Iman within her cultural context. Um, so Haboba's house translates to grandmother's house. Um, Iman is um, uh, the book, uh, Iman's really, really, really big world, is set in Australia. And she is uh, she's a African, more specifically Eritrean child. Um, and 
I want her, I don't want that to be erased uh, through the series and mm. through the telling of her story. And um, I felt like introducing her grandmother in book one um, would firmly ground her within a cultural context mm. that when we move move on to um, then the following books in the series will that will always inform how we tell her story and who she is fundamentally. Um, we all, I think most migrant uh, families have that person in the family who is the culture uh, keeper, who is the archivist, who is the the connection to the motherland. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes that person um, is your grandmother. And so for her, that's the symbolism of her haboba. So like most children at that age, she spends the she spends school holidays with her haboba. Um, uh, book one in the series actually focuses on the the three women in in the series: haboba, Iman's mama, and mm. uh, and Iman. So it's three generations mm. of um, of a family, uh, all women coming together to present the narrative. Hmm. And I remember you and I were having this conversation off air and you were saying how you wanted to avoid turning it into like migrant trauma porn. I think we've had enough of that. And I think that um, while there is place for that, there's also room for so much more. And I think that we're at a point where um, there's a real void in the way that we tell our stories and um, which is why I love I love the work that you do and the work that other not really like uh, uh, so many people who are of the generation that that now you know experience migration um, uh, and displacement and all of these other uh, other um, facets of life and we're now in a position to imagine mm-hmm. more right and I think that um, that narrative is important, but how, what's the place for that narrative in the child, a child's life that is born here? Yeah. And I think that the more we push that singular narrative, the more we are telling these children that are born here, you don't belong here, you belong somewhere else. And through this series, I'm trying to, um, to make a statement that we are here we belong here mm. and our stories may not look like the stories that you have imagined so we are in a position to imagine our own stories mm. and um it's not to erase that history i think that history is a very powerful part of who we are mm. um as communities of diaspora but again um i think we're at a point we're at a re- very exciting juncture mm. where we can think about what what else is missing? Yeah, mm. and I'm so glad that you've created this book, not just for cho- like for children, but for me, just seeing that and seeing the work that went into it, and knowing that a book like this exists is so important. But Alia, in the process of creating this, I'm guessing it wasn't as easy <laughs> in terms of getting the book out. What were some of the hurdles that you had to go through? Well, I'm currently based in California. <laughs> So that was the number one hurdle um, in even trying to – so I'm in Melbourne right now um, uh, getting ready for the launch of the series. Um, 
And most of the writing I was lucky enough to, to do while I was still in Melbourne. Um, but I was in, um, I was using all the different media platforms to connect with people and to, to try and um, figure out how to get this done. I've never published. Um, I've never published a story or put out a, a, a book. And so um, there were conversations that I had with uh, publishing companies and a few other avenues in thinking about um, putting out the series. Um, like I said, I this character was a very, very real character in my mind for a while. And I think eventually um, getting to a point where I decided to self-publish um, that decision was heavily informed by the fact that I was in California um, and around some really interesting people who had a very interesting, um, I guess, hustle, right? An independent hustle about, oh, you have an idea, you have a concept, you've got creative content, we can put it out, let's get it together, you know? Um, namely, um, Tyson, Tyson Amir, who is uh, my partner, and he um, has put out He's published his own work. He supported other um, authors in putting out their own work. And seeing him um, be in a position to do that and create, not just create content, um, but deliver meaningful, impactful content um, to the community, mm. that really inspired me. And and just looking at the book, like, it's so detailed. I was saying how the grandmother actually <laughs> looks Eritrean. She looks like an Eritrean mother. Oh, grandmother, sorry. Like, how much of a hand did you have in things like illustration and so on? So the illustrator that I worked with um, in in um, putting out the book is actually based in Serbia. Um, and she, she's been amazing to work with. Um, and really, it took us about a year to be able to, to finalize this project because it was so detailed. And it She'd never met an Eritrean person, let alone engaged with an Eritrean person and, until we were working together. So there were moments where we were going back on facial features where I was saying, no, it can't just be a generic black person. It needs to be very specific. Mm. There were many photos I sent her of. You sent her photos? I did, of all, like family photos, all kinds of things where I'm saying, you see this here, this, this hair texture needs to be this kind of hair texture Jeez. or... Um, the, the eye shape needs to be this kind of eye shape. And, um, again, um, I, it could go back to the fact that I was very clear in in the vision of who I was seeing in my mind. But even, say, Haboba, grandmother, she's represented wearing our cultural attire, which is the belay. She'd never seen that before. <laughs> so how do you illustrate something that you've never seen? And she's she was... She was amazing. She was she was great to work with because we went back and forth so many times, and I feel like the final product is is amazing because I can say, oh, that looks like you know so and so who's so and so's grandmother, or you know, and it wasn't intentional. Mm. We didn't illustrate that specific person, but the features are so aligned with what we were trying to rep, uh, represent that now it's come to that. So it's it's been pretty exciting. Even the little things around. Um, uh, illustrating, say, her house. Like, uh, what does an editor in grandmother's house look like, right? Of course, we're making generalizations mm. here, but um, teacups need to look a certain way. They're not, say, the teacups that you might get at Ikea. They're yeah. specific teacups or um, the artwork that's up 
in, in Habbaba's house, mm-hmm. you know, what's that artwork? Mm-hmm. So there were many layers that we had to kind of really think about and, and um, imagine to be able to represent. Um, at times I was like, am I just being a little bit intense here to say, no, no, let's, this needs to be like this or we need to work on this. And, but I have to say at this point now that it's, it's completed, I'm, it's almost like a, a, like a, a treat for me to see people pick up on those things. Mm. So there's a specific um, image that's um, on one, it's artwork that's on the wall at Habbaba's house. And I knew what that image uh, was meant to reflect. And I showed the book to someone and they said, oh, is that, is that this, this location in Eritrea? And I said, wow. <laughs> Like, I was so excited because I was like, yes, it is actually that. And I didn't want to, it's almost like a little, like, blues clues kind of thing. Like, let's see how much people can pick up and figure out on their own. So it's super exciting for me. (laughs) What are you hoping to leave with Iman's really, really big World Series? I think one of the things that I, even going back to the work that I, I still do, I'm doing in California, but also the work that I've done here, in the community arts space, there are times that you might work on projects or events or um, whatever it might be, festivals, or and you, it's been in your mind, it's been in your spreadsheet for months. The moment that you've put it out and it becomes something that you're no longer in control of and um, community starts owning the the content um, is for me always been the, the the moment that I strive for in the work that I do, um, and I feel like I'm getting a sense of that with Habbaba's House. Mm. Um, when we first launched the the promotional material, um, I was blown away by how many people were resharing and posting and um, uh, just really I guess excited about what was coming and. I really felt like the community communities owning um, the series and owning the 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 book and mm. actually my sister was joking like they don't even they haven't even seen it how do they know it's any good <laughs> <laughs> so I think in thinking about um, legacy and thinking about impact that's always at the forefront of like why even do it right and I want this. Not the book because this is only book one in the series. Sure. I want this like this whole series to be something that is um, like generations from now, people will remember to say the same way we all have picture books that we loved as children growing up here. Oh, I read that book when I was younger. And I want, um, I guess, our communities to have that experience um, specifically, but then more broadly, I want it to be something that is firmly um, implanted in how we tell our stories within the diasporic communities, within the Australian diasporic communities, but also like globally. Mm. I want people to say um, it's it's very normal. It's it's um, if it gets to a point where it all it becomes boring, mm. that would be exciting for me to have a girl who is Eritrean, who lives in Australia and is experiencing this this massive, is is the centre of this massive universe. Yeah. Um, it just, This is just now boring for us and right. not, not even something mm. that 
we want to that would be such a luxury to, that, that would be such a luxury and to such get a to that privilege point. yeah right? and and i guess in thinking about legacy and impact i want this work to be that to have a place like that in how we talk about our stories in mm. Australia. And one place um, that I know it's going to have a home at, because I was chatting to Tijan from Earth Matters. So Tijan is one of the presenters of a show called Earth Matters on 3CR. And I was telling him about your book and he's a librarian. Mm. And he's like, please let me know when it drops. Send me the link. I'm going to share it with the library. It's so important that the kids get to read these sort of books. So it would be interesting to see how other communities take to Hapoba's house. I, I, I agree with you so much on that point. So I keep thinking about um, growing up here in the 90s and <laughs> there was no such thing as mm. diversity in literature, in children's literature, in your school library, in your local library. Um you know, it's gotten better since then, I have to say. But I, you know, obviously go to bookstores in, in California and the the array of children's books that are diverse and representative in various languages and, um, and various different cultural backgrounds, it's – part of me is almost heartbroken to think that that doesn't exist here in that way. Of course, there are books, but the the range and the um, how accessible they are, um, it kind of breaks my heart thinking about that sometimes mm. because it's almost like when it's t- it's twenty twenty. When will this become the norm? Right. And we need to be more open minded in what we purchase and what we read. Um, more broadly. Yeah. And I think for people of colour and for migrant communities, we are because we don't have a choice. <laughs> so we read very broadly and uh, not even just thinking about um, uh, children's literature as a genre, but just generally speaking, we read broadly. And it's a challenge and this is a challenge that I would put to um, the broader community, um, broader Australian community to do the same. Um there is, uh, you know, I had I had some people asking me, like, well, are you going to translate? Like, the title is Haboba's House. And, ha- like, what if, you know, people don't understand what Haboba means? Obviously, Haboba is the, the name of um, the grandmother. There's a title for the grandmother, and it's not in English. And I said, I'm not going to translate that as in the title, and I'm not going to change the title. Obviously, the book is written in English. And for me, that is me saying... No, I challenge you to um, to come into this space, and I don't even think it's it's a too much of an ask. Um, I would imagine that with a little bit of common sense, if you look at the cover of the book, it's a grandmother, it's a mother and a child. Habba's house should be pretty self-explanatory mm, as to what at all. the book what the story is about. And so, and I think that's something that um, I'm really excited about uh, uh, libraries being really interested and um, early child uh, childcare uh, facilities that have been interested um, uh, in sharing the work. And I think that's fantastic. And I hope that just continues to grow. All the information is up on the website. So if you go to www.imansworld.com, um, 
uh, Iman's world is spelled uh, I-M-A-N-S world.com. Um, you'll see all the information there and um, uh, we're launching it in January um, and it, it will be available online. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to grab your copy of Haboba's House or learn more about the series, go to imansworld.com. Accent of Woman is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. The song you've been hearing throughout this episode is Nina Simone's To Be Young, Gifted and Black. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Ayan Shirwa. Is the quest that's just begun